What if you had a guide who could tell you how to bridge a gap between who you are today and who you're destined to be? What if each week you could hear a story of someone who has tried and succeeded, or perhaps tried and failed, but learned something in the process? Limitless Spirit is a weekly podcast where host Helen Todd interviews guests about topics and personal stories on defining life's purpose, pursuing personal growth, and developing a deeper faith in Christ. With the whole idea of the global reset, uh, all that we did, we changed one word uh, in the title. Really, the the impetus for this whole book came from uh, the Great Reset. And this is something that is well-documented, that is happening in our world right now. Uh, Global elites, presidents, prime ministers, uh, kings, premiers, princes began meeting in Davos, Switzerland in 1971. Uh, They've met there every year since then to talk about how they can fundamentally change the world. And so the idea is that the world is broken. It doesn't work the way that it does. And so we have to fundamentally change it to make it into something uh, that will uh, serve every serve humanity, serve the planet. Global leaders have been calling for a one world government. Prince Charles, now King Charles, uh, is a huge proponent of a one world government. Drastic changes brought by the COVID-19 pandemic definitely point to a worldwide agenda among the world leaders to seize pandemics, natural disasters, catastrophes, civil disorder, political unrest, and other current events to reshape every facet of life. Who is behind this agenda and what can you do about it? Welcome to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Todd. My guest on this episode is Jeff Kinley, a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Vintage Truth Podcast. In our conversation, we talk about Jeff's most recent book, Global Reset, which explains who is behind the Great Reset Agenda. It also talks about the possible scenarios regarding America in the end times and about what believers should do now. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Helen. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited um, to talk about your book. It's so popular right now, and for a good reason. It's very relevant. And so the title is uh, The Global Reset, Do Current Events Point to the Antichrist and His Global Government or His Worldwide Empire? So uh, what prompted you to write this book now? The idea of one world government is not new. It's been circulating for years. There are different even conspiracy theories about that. So uh, why now? Yeah, well, our world is rapidly changing right now. We're seeing a velocity in terms of the way that the world is being reshaped and reformed and really rethought uh, right now. You know, when, when COVID hit, a few years ago, the the whole uh, co- the whole idea of COVID really gripped the planet uh, in a matter of weeks, and uh, this was unprecedented. Uh, that something that would be so global, so worldwide, really from every nation to every neighborhood, people were talking about the same thing, and that has never really been even possible uh, until recent years with the advent of just a rapid communication. and But even more so than that, Helen, it's the idea that governments began to cooperate with one another on an unprecedented scale. And so the, what we've seen is just a rise in a sense of 
uh, countries in the world wanting to do the same thing, uh, to work together, uh, to form different kinds of alliances. And that is really the essence of globalism is really bringing the world into one uh, one unit, uh, one cohesive unit. And so I think COVID was really a jump start to that. And ever since then, what's really amazing is that uh, global leaders have been calling for a one world government, which is very interesting because that's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen in the end times. In fact, uh, Tony Blair, uh, Gordon uh, Gordon Brown, uh, former UK prime ministers, uh, Ban Ki-moon, the former secretary uh, general of the United Nations, and of course, Prince Charles, now King Charles, uh, is a huge proponent of a one world government. So it's just amazing how this whole thing has changed, but it's changed very, very rapidly. And it's caused people to go, okay, what's going on? Could this uh, be pointing towards the end times as the Bible describes them? Well, you very correctly pointed out that COVID-19 seems to be the start of something new. It almost like <laughs> going along with the title of the uh, your book. It's like somebody pushed the reset button. But um, and there are so many uh, theories, ideas, and uh, uh, of of what's behind COVID and how it started and uh, was it planned? Was it unplanned? So, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's, I think it's very interesting that, that so quickly everyone jumped on board uh, of this thing. And when you get to, when you got to the mandates, really it started with the crisis. Uh, the crisis bred global fear. I mean, we haven't had this kind of, uh, of high grade anxiety uh, planet wide. And I don't know when. Uh, people were afraid to leave their homes. They're afraid to breathe around their neighbors. They're afraid to to sneeze or, or to 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 uh, participate in commerce. They're afraid to travel. This fear was gripping us, and that was created by the crisis. Now, you could say if it was just some accidental uh, pandemic that uh, that the government then, at the very very least, overplayed their hand. Uh, or really began to um, force upon the publics, and this is not just America, obviously Australia, uh, Germany, England, uh, China, all these places began to enforce these great mandates, Italy. Uh, and what happened was, is that the crisis turned into a chaos. And in the chaos, the governments of the world all seemed to come together uh, as one and do essentially the same thing to its citizens, begin to lock us down, uh, give us mandates, tell us how to live our lives, uh, tell us that there were going to be bodies stacked in the streets and people, millions upon millions were going to die. And it was going to be this, this great pandemic. Hospitals were preparing themselves. None of the things they predicted ever came true. Uh, after that, they said, well, we'll bring calm to the situation with the whole idea of the vaccine. Of course, the vaccine was never fully tested, and now we're we're, we're getting really from, from major secular sources uh, evidence that the vaccine really may have caused more harm to the human body than than helped it. So you had all these things coming together, but the end game is control. The end game is control, and that is predicted by Scripture when the Bible says in the last days there's going to be a one-world government. And there's going to be one man over that one world government. He's essentially going to control the populace. So COVID was really a conditioning, I believe. I think it was a, a grooming. And whether it was intentional, like everyone agreed that they would do that or not, uh, that's at least the behind the scenes impetus and the vision for it. And I believe Satan was behind all that because the nations have become weaker. Uh, they've become more unified and people have given up their individual freedoms uh, for things that have proven not to be true. 
And so this is all, I believe, part of a global deception uh, that, that the Bible says, actually does say, that that will take place in the end time. So it, it is a conspiracy, but it's not a theory. <laughs> the scripture really does talk about this conspiratorial person that will come forth in the end times and will lead humanity to a place where people will lay down their freedoms, their rights, and even their own soul to one man. So I I will be upfront with you. I have not read your book yet. You will probably guess that by my questions. <laughs> but <laughs> that's fine. The basis of most conspiracy theories is that there is a group of these powerful people and they, you know, make the plans and then they influence the course of events and and you know, there's a lot of ground to some of these theories, but I always feel like I have a difficult time believing that because the world events and and how it, they turn out are there are so many variables right, right. <laughs> there are oh, there yeah. are some natural causes that we cannot control you know as humans no matter how powerful we are we can only control so much so yeah. uh so that's where my problem with many of these theories comes that mm-hmm. I don't believe it is possible for a group of people, small or even bigger group of people, fully have control over what's going to happen with their plans and how their plans are going to come through. So how is your book different from those theories? Or um, do you believe that there is truly a group of people that set a certain course for humanity and they have the capacity to implement this? No, that's a that's a fantastic question, Helen. Uh, in, with with really many conspiracy theories, and I'm on the same page that you are. There's usually some unnamed person or persons uh, meeting in undisclosed locations, uh, talking about things uh, in documents that we cannot access, that we can't uh, factually prove. And so it really kind of becomes uh, maybe you're the person wearing the tinfoil hat, you know, kind of thing, and it begins to be a little bit uh, question and suspect. With, with the whole idea of the global reset, uh, all that we did, we changed one word uh, in the title. Really, the, the impetus for this whole book came from uh, the Great Reset. And this is something that is well documented that is happening in our world right now. It was begun by a man by the name of Klaus Schwab. It was a former uh, German economist, and he founded uh, what became known as the World Economic Forum. He founded it back in 1971. Uh, They began meeting uh, global elites, presidents, prime ministers, uh, kings, premiers, uh, princes began meeting in Davos, Switzerland in 1971. Uh, They've met there every year since then to talk about how they can fundamentally change the world. Uh, More recently, though, uh, their agenda has gained much traction because global leaders that are presently ruling over countries right now have not only attended those events, but been keynote speakers at those events and been actually discipled by Klaus Schwab in his uh, globalist agenda. And I'm not suggesting in any way that Klaus Schwab is the Antichrist or anything like this. I'm just saying he's a part of uh, th- this mechanism uh, that is trying to reset the world. And so the idea is that the world is broken. It doesn't work the way that it does. And so we have to fundamentally change it to make it into something uh, that will uh, serve every serve humanity, serve the planet. And so what the World Economic Forum has done is they've laid out an agenda. And you can go to their website, the World Economic Forum's website, and you can read all of this for yourself. They're not hiding any of this. 
And so, uh, in fact, Joe Biden was one of the keynote speakers in 2016, and he borrowed directly from the World Economic Forum's playbook their phrase, build back better, uh, to bring that to America. And now Joe Biden in our country is implementing the exact agenda of the World Economic Forum, and it begins with climate change. Let's pause here for a moment. I actually have gone on their, web, on their website and uh, dug a little deeper about their research, but let's just start with World Economic Forum. Technically, it's a lobbying organization. It doesn't have any formal power um, to implement their ideas, so they solely rely on um, enticing uh, global leaders, people who actually do have formal power, yeah. into yes. buying basically into their ideas and ideologies. So how do you think it's possible that they're able to succeed, that that they are actually able to influence people who, who do have power? No, that's a great question. Uh, I think it, it all begins with when they meet there at the World Economic Forum, you have to pay like $67,000 to attend. But then there's a, a level above that where the real global elites meet that the regular people who pay all that money can't access. Uh, one of their uh, one of their pillars is, is equity and equality for all people. And yet at their own forum, they're not uh, practicing that. Uh, but these people, the president of France, uh, president of uh, the uh, leader of um, of Canada, of course, our own president and many other global leaders, they come together and they talk about these talking points. They basically say the world is broken. Uh, we're destroying the planet. Uh, people don't have equality. Uh, we need to be united uh, in, in terms of being borderless countries. Capitalism is evil. We have to do away with it. We have to enact a new socialist agenda. Uh, like I said, to dissolve our borders and we have to be on the same page economically. So that really drives their agenda. And so these these guys, it's like coming to a conference or coming to a, a retreat and getting or the huddle and getting the play. Then they go out to their respective countries all over the world and they begin in their own settings to implement that agenda. And of course, we've seen that happen uh, in our own country. But why why would they buy into that? Like you have to be somehow conditioned, you know, if you completely don't share these ideas Let's say you're a leader of a country and you've been invited uh, to this forum, to this conference, like you said, but you have to be preconditioned to buy into the solutions that are offered at that forum and then buy into them so much that you're willing to implement it in, in your own country. You know, these leaders come from different cultural backgrounds, re even religious backgrounds, so there has to be something more, I feel like, to the fact that they're actually uh, willing to implement these ideas. That's a, yeah, exactly. And I think the, from a human standpoint, the most obvious repercussion or effect from doing that or the, or the advantage to the individual leaders is that when they go back to their own country, what that essentially does is bringing that World Economic Forum agenda to their own country emboldens them. It gives them more power in their own country. Uh, you know, you think our government has power, but we haven't seen what, what governmental power is until we turn into a socialist state uh, where the government has all power. 
And this is the direction that we're heading. In fact, the, the recent bill that uh, Joe Biden passed, a $742 billion uh, bill at, at, at its core is a climate change bill. And what that basically means is he wants to do away uh, with, uh, with emissions. He wants to do away with gas cars. He wants to do away with using too much electricity, using too much water. You basically take what's happening in California and just translate it to the rest of the country. And so what it does, it limits human freedom. It means the government will control uh, how much you spend on certain things or how much or where you spend. And in March, Joe Biden issued another executive order about exploring the concept of a central digital currency bank. And what that means is, is, is doing away with cash and checks and, and all of, of, of cash transactions and going completely digital. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Because <clears throat> right now uh, we're, we're spending probably over 50%, maybe 60% of all transactions in America are happening digitally. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is that all of your assets are only digital. And when that takes place, that means the government can not only track and trace every single penny you spend, but also they can program your currency as well. They can program where you can only spend certain amount on gas or meat or travel or, you know, giving to a religious organization or whatever. So it sets the government up to implement, again, the World Economic Forum's agenda uh, by being able to control everything. And so if you think that climate change is the most important thing in the world or equal rights as you define them, then you now have the power to enforce that as opposed to saying to a free group of people, you guys decide, work it out in the marketplace. Now the government will mandate that you have to do certain things. So even from a moral agenda, I mean, if you uh, post something that is uh, transphobic in their idea or in their worldview, then what happens is you're you're going to get docked economically. You you're, you lose social credit like they have in China. So all of this economically, uh, morally, uh, from a climate change ecologically, it all comes into this global agenda of the Great Reset. And so what we do in the book, basically, Helen, is show how the Bible really already predicted much of this or all of this uh, thousands of years ago, and we're just beginning to see the, the early emerging stages of it coming to pass in reality. Um, that is very cool, and I, I don't really want to spend um, or dwell too much on the World Economic Forum um, any longer, but I found an interesting page on their website, and it's dated with 2016, and they give eight predictions of what the world is going to look like in 2030, and number one says you're going to own nothing. <laughs> all products will have become services. So instead yes. of owning things, you will be borrowing things. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and they add, and you'll be happy too, they say. <laughs> yeah, and you will be really happy about that. And then that the, uh, there will be uh, a global price on carbon. Uh, the U.S. dominance is going to be over, of course, and uh, we won't have hospitals. Our health care will be done at home. We're going to eat much less meat. Do you address that in, in your book? Like, what is the problem with people eating meat? Yeah, I mean, we don't go into great detail about that specifically, but it really boils down to two things. Philosophically, uh, it's really, again, about the climate, about the earth. Uh, it, on their website, they talk about um, essentially serving Mother Earth, that Mother Earth takes precedence 
over humanity. And so we've kind of reversed the biblical portrayal as humanity being dominant over creation. Now creation, we're worshiping the creation. Uh, and as, as Romans 1 said that uh, fallen man would do when they reject God. Uh, and then the second thing is just about personal freedom. Uh, someone being able to say, well, if I want to eat you know, Skittles, I, I'll eat Skittles. If I want to eat hamburger, I'll eat hamburger. Uh, it's the government coming in and saying, no, we'll, we'll tell you how many Skittles you can eat. And if you can even eat you know, meat, or or if you have to force yourself to go to plant based meat, uh, which is uh, sounds a uh, gross to most people who love meat, but uh, but anyway, all that to say is it's about uh, it's about government control. Uh, philosophically, it's about really serving the earth, and then personally, it's about giving up freedom and saying, well, the government knows best for my life, not myself. Yes, that seems like more of a religion <laughs> than than uh, actually a philosophy. Um, yeah. So how do you um, tie all these events with the end-time prophecies in the Scripture? Yeah, well, it begins back with, with Satan's original desire to be God. Uh, we read about that in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. Uh, he wanted to rule over heaven. Well, when God cast him down to the earth, he obviously couldn't do that. So what, where is he now? Well, he's on the earth. And we see as early as Genesis chapters 10 and 11, uh, we see the Tower of Babel and Nimrod. Uh, that was uh, Satan's, I believe, first attempt to bring the world together in globalism and to have one man rule over it all. And ever since then, Satan's tried to put forth different world leaders to, to rule over the world. And they've all been unsuccessful because Satan is not privy to God's prophetic timetable. So we tra trace and track throughout the, the scriptures how that's going to come about and what that looks like according to the Bible. And of course, in the end, uh, there will be an Antichrist and he'll rule over a 10-nation kingdom that'll essentially control the world and uh, and all human freedom uh, will be taken away under his regime. So that's, that's what we talk about in the book in the last chapter. We talk about it's important for us to be on God's agenda and for us to have all, our own personal reset with our relationship with God uh, so that we can avoid that horrible time that's coming to planet Earth. And we're going to come back to this because I have a question that exactly ties into what you said. But before that, um, I want to talk about something else. So for many Christians, especially in the United States, it's just a very frightening idea that America is not mentioned in the end time prophecies. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because there are clearly certain nations that are mentioned but no word about the United States. Um, do you have an idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you're right. The United States is not mentioned uh, specifically anywhere in Bible prophecy. Of course, when you look at the Bible, the Bible is a story about Israel. It's a story about God's relationship with Israel. And then when their Messiah came, she rejected their Messiah. And so God turned to the Gentiles. But in the end times, God's going to really return back to it being very uh, centralized on Israel. So for that reason, you would say that Israel is kind of the main character as far as nations go. Now, there are other, are other nations mentioned uh, in the end times. We, we see uh, nations like Egypt. Russia mentioned. Yeah, Egypt and and and. Babylon and Persia and Greece and, of course, Assyria. Rome. I mean, uh, countries that are not yeah. countries are mentioned very specifically and distinctly. Yeah, and in Ezekiel 38 and 39, we see a coalition of nations that are mainly the, the former Slavic nations and, and the Islamic nations of, of today that are surrounding Israel along with Russia. So there are other nations that are mentioned, but they're all pertinent to the end-time story, but America's not there. 
I, I believe that one reason why that's true is because there's going to be a, a crisis event, a global crisis event. I believe it's called the rapture of the church uh, that's going to affect America in a devastating way and essentially cause her to no longer be the power that she is. If you just think about in terms of a globalist agenda, up until this last election, America was really the only sovereign nation that was standing in the way of the globalist dam really breaking and flowing into these countries. And so uh, when the, that current president was taken out of the way, they, there was a globalist president, a WEF president put in, and now America can pretty much follow that path. And so I think she's quite frankly, may be weakened to the point of either attack, invasion, or just being absorbed into another coalition of nations. But whatever the case, America will no longer be a world power. Interesting. So now I want to go back to the question that uh, I had. We, as a church, want to be active, you know, take an active stand in what is happening um, in our own country and what is happening worldwide. Uh, we obviously want to resist the dark forces, even fight the dark forces. Um, but are we supposed to? I mean, this this is something that has been predicted. It has to come to pass. It's You cannot avoid that. Um, it would be probably equal to us being like Peter and resisting the capture and, and the crucifixion of Christ. That had to happen according to God's plan. So, what should we do as a church, as the followers of Christ, in, in the light of these events? Oh, that's a very good question. I think one hand, to look at prophecy and understand that God alone controls the uh, the rate of prophetic fulfillment. Uh, God controls ha- how certain prophecies come together, when they come together. We don't have all that, all that information. He doesn't tell us that. So we have to operate under the knowledge that we that we have. And what we do know is that the world is a very dark place, uh, that people need Christ. And as long as we are able to have breath, our main mission a number one mission is to share the gospel in light of Jesus Christ with other people. Uh, people ask me sometimes, can America be saved? And I say, well, I'm not sure that America can be saved, but I know Americans can be saved. And so I think that's our first and foremost mission. And then, Helen, out from that kind of concentrically moving out is now how can we make an impact in our community? I mean, serving on school boards and you know running for office and voting for candidates that uphold righteousness. I mean, we do have the freedoms to do that uh, and just fighting that type of fight, fighting for the lives of the unborn, uh, fighting for traditional marriage and things like that in our world. So there is a place for us to fight, uh, but we don't control kind of how far that fight goes and how that ties into prophecy. We just know that God wants us to be salt and light for him. So that's something every person can do, regardless of whether or not they can't control what's happening in, in Canada or France or, you know, in Italy, but you can control what you do. And so that's why we say in, in the Global Reset book is that we all need a personal reset with God, make sure we're connected well with him so that we can be an effective light to the nations and at least the people that are around us. I really appreciate this point because um, I think that as a church, we we have to be more in tune with what is happening around us. If nothing else, it gives us the sense of urgency. Of course, I'm a part of the organization that is all about taking the gospel all across the world. And, and when we are in these countries, what you would consider today the world's hotspots, uh, I think it's 
the picture becomes even more clear, you know, um, what, what is happening across the world. And we don't have solutions to, to the uh, tragedy that we face in some of the countries yeah. with oppressive regimes or, That's you know, true. places of extreme poverty. Uh, the solution is Christ, giving people the hope in Christ and, and giving them this lifeline, not only to a more hopeful life on this earth, but, but ultimately to an exceptional life in eternity. So, so what yeah. is your... Uh, last word to our listeners: What uh, what should they watch for? What should they recognize? Yeah, I would say number one is to be biblically discerning, and the only way you can be biblically discerning is to be in the Bible, uh, to study your Bible, get some really solid books that may help you do that. Books about uh, the end times and what's going on around us. I think the other thing, you know, Paul said in, in Philippians three twenty that uh, that our citizenship is in heaven from which we await a savior. And, you know, I love America. We, we've got military members in our family, and I'm, I'm very, very patriotic. But in the end, my greatest allegiance is to heaven. Uh, it's to God's agenda. And so having that perspective really that kind of helps us that we're here to serve, we're here to love, we're here to share the truth. But eventually, it's all about eternity, because just in a snap of a finger, we're all going to be gone. And uh, this world will be over, and we'll be in heaven with Christ. And so what we do right now impacts eternity. So make sure that we're focusing our lives on the right things that serve Jesus. I think it's a great point because, you know, as as Americans, we're very patriotic um, about our country and uh, with, with um, different political issues that we have. I, I notice that sometimes Christians become more I have more allegiance to their political party <laughs> than they That's do right. maybe to their gospel and mm-hmm. and redefining mm-hmm. where our allegiance is as as the world he- is heading towards this one yes. government which is going to be completely contrary to the kingdom of God we have to really really rely right now on our true citizenship, which is Amen. which is the heavenly citizenship. So right. thank you. Thank you for this great conversation. And I am excited uh, to dive into your book and uh, to uh, get some more insight. And uh, I'm assuming your book is widely available in various outlets. But uh, is there something that our listeners can gain on your website? Would you like them to visit your website? Yeah, absolutely. The website is jeffkinley.com. You can go there and you find out much more about my ministry, where I'm speaking, more about the books that I've written. And again, just creating resources for Christians to be equipped for the age in which we're living and be effective witnesses. Well, thank you so much. We will definitely post the link in our show notes so that our listeners can easily find it. And uh, we're looking forward to your next book, Jeff. You have written so many of them, and I'm sure there's something else is already in the works. Absolutely. Stay tuned. (laughs) The end time prophecies are both terrifying and hopeful. It may be uncomfortable to recognize the shift happening in the world today that points to the coming government of the Antichrist, but our hope is solid and unshakable. It remains in Christ alone. Like Jeff said, we must make a top priority of our lives those things that impact eternity. One of these things is introducing people to the hope in Christ. At World Missions Alliance, we believe that changed lives change lives. 
We invite you to join us on an exciting adventure with Jesus to travel to the nations and build the kingdom of God one saved soul at a time. Your testimony and your love for God is all you need to be a life changer. If you would like to learn more, I encourage you to visit our website, rfwma.org. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Helen Todd. Limitless Spirit Podcast is produced by World Missions Alliance. We believe that changed lives change lives. If you want to see your life transformed by Christ's love, or if you want to help those who are hurting and hopeless and discover your greater purpose in serving Christ through short-term missionary work, check out our website, rfwma.org, and find out how to get involved.